as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the six-fold and Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I am Andy Wilson of Graphic Policy. Uh, so it's, this week we're doing something a little bit different. We've got uh, the new movie Life of the Party starring Melissa McCarthy. Uh, so we're going to talk about that, but also we want to go back and just kind of revisit some movies that uh, we saw we didn't get a chance to talk about yet. Uh, we've got right. one that you and I both saw, and then uh, right. each of us picked one of our favorite ones that the other didn't see, so we can right. kind of uh, fill each other in and right. and discuss them. So and and I think that we'll just put this out there: we're not going to talk about Black Panther. I kind of feel like everything that's needed to be said about Black Panther has been said and probably been said better by uh, a critic who who is uh, African or African-American. Yeah. And th- this means something to them. Just go just go watch those. Go read those. <laughs> go watch that. And then uh, also go check out Childish Gambino's new video, This is America. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah. Like, I've watched it about 20 times now. And every single time I see something different. And it's it's pretty intense. That's not a music video. It's a pop culture grenade. That is like just a bit, half yeah. satire and half just like indictment of, yeah, it, amazing, amazing. So Yeah, but it's yes, also one go that you got to be prepped for because it's, it's pretty intense. So, right. Uh, right. But no, definitely go check it out. But yeah, that, they can go, go watch Black Panther and then go watch that video. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, so, but, but Life of the Party. Yeah, Life of the Party, which is not nearly as intense <laughs> as either no. of those things. Uh so this is uh, actually it's kind of a tame Melissa McCarthy. This is one of her uh, few PG thirteen movies. Yep. Uh, it's written and directed. Uh, what's yeah written, uh, written and directed by her husband Ben Falcone, uh, who was right. the air marshal from Bridesmaids. Yep. And this has Melissa McCarthy as Deanna Miles. She is uh, sending her daughter off to her final year of college when her husband announces, "Hey, I'm in love with someone else. We're getting a divorce." So she decides, hey, you know what? I have one year of college left to get my degree in archaeology. I'm going to go back to college with my young daughter and live it up and get my degree and be a proud woman like I should have been my whole life. And, of right. course, wackiness ensues. Uh, yes. But not enough. Not, not enough wackiness. And I think no. we both kind of had the same uh, idea about that. But go ahead and tell us what you right. thought about it because we were texting a little bit last night, but we didn't really share too much of our thoughts yet. So. Okay, well, let, let's run down some of the people who are in this this movie and how great they are. Melissa McCarthy, great. oh, fantastic! Jillian Jacobs from Community, amazing, absolutely Maya love her. Yeah, Maya Rudolph from SNL and also Bridesmaids, reuniting the two of them, also amazing. Uh, Julie Bowen from Modern Family, great. Stephen Root, that guy is a god. I will watch like basically anything that he does. And then Matt Walsh. And and Matt Walsh, uh, not terrible racist blogger uh, Matt Walsh, but amazing no, the, the, character the real actor. <laughs> yeah, founder of the Upright Citizens Brigade and a uh, delightful person. But yet, with all of that talent in this movie, it just did not gel. And it, it like... There were so many great people in here, and it just was not worthy of no. what they were doing. I laughed how many times? Two, three, like yeah, it got th- it got three out of me. So yeah, and it, most of the humor was was based on sort of the cringe factor of 
you know, we're really uncomfortable at what they're doing rather than it being really great humorous situations. And these are all amazing comedic actors. Ben Falcone and and Melissa McCarthy have written great things. uh, And this is just not one of them. It's it. I felt it was, you know, it was the gentleman's sea of of comedies. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, well, you kind of skated by on doing the bare minimum and you know, you're talented and you're charming, but you're not really applying yourself. Uh, but there were some good parts to it. I felt like the whole take on like reclaiming your womanhood mm-hmm. and this being a very like female forward movie. I was there for that. Love that. Um, didn't think they took huge advantage of it more than just like, Hey, we're going to pretend like our vaginas are talking to each other. Yeah. And and that's one thing with Melissa McCarthy. I mean, she's more well known for doing really crass, crude comedies. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the problem we've had in the past, especially when her husband, Ben Falcone, is is directing, is so she needs to be have a really long leash to go out and do what she wants to be as funny as she needs to be. At the same time, Mm -hmm. she needs someone reeling that leash back in to make sure she doesn't go too crazy or too far. Uh, So when we do things Like like Tammy, like Tammy or the boss. Uh, but when you yeah. see look at things like uh, she's done with Paul Feig, like uh, Spy, to, in my opinion, is her best movie because she gets to do mm-hmm. everything she wants. She's crass and foul mouthed, but she's also fully in control of that character. And so with this one, you know, being the PG-13 rating does come in because you're not going to be able to get the really dirty jokes, the F-bombs. I mean, like you said, they have the talking vaginas. It's about as far as it gets. Uh, yeah. Uh, but with her style of comedy, it does kind of hold her back. Uh, but that being said, it was also interesting because normally when you know, Ben Falcone's directing, she goes off and goes crazy. And I'm thinking maybe just because it had that PG-13 rating that it didn't allow her to do that. So she was more subdued and gave, a, I think, a better performance for that. But it's this is a movie that needs to be rated R. I mean, it's got everything set up for that to be a crass, dirty, crude, college sorority movie. And I kind of right. want to see that cut. I want to see that version of this not that the cut exists but I want to see that version of this movie because that would be hilarious <clears throat> or at least get more right. than three laughs out of me like this one did right I and I feel like there was something in there and I feel like there was more that could have been mined out of some of this but it just it just wasn't and uh, that that makes me so sad especially to like come out of a movie and just been like I did not like Matt Walsh I think that's like the first time that's ever happened. Well, he was kind of a dick. He well, he yeah, was. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're divorcing Melissa McCarthy after 23 years of marriage, like yeah, you're you're a dick, but but you know, the, I couldn't even like hate him in the way that uh, you know, other like good comedy villains you can be like, "Oh, you know, I kind of love to hate him." Yeah. But, um, and the one thing know, I will, I will say was positive for this movie was they could have very easily made this about how awkward it is that mom's going to college with her daughter and her daughter is like embarrassed and freaked out the whole time. They touch on it for mm-hmm. only like five minutes and then it's over with and it's just Melissa McCarthy being able to be, go out, have fun, but be a mom still. And yeah, you, you mentioned the, the female empowerment, uh, which was kind of prevalent throughout the whole film. I did love the fact that they didn't take uh, Melissa McCarthy's character and make her slutty. Go make her, you know, obviously, yeah, she was partying more because she was in college, but she wasn't out there, like, screwing a bunch of guys and she she stayed true to herself. 
except for that one mm-hmm. scene of the wedding when she just when she's super stoned because she ate the the weed chocolate by accident, and she does yeah. something that's so out of character and wrong for that for that, for that role. It's like that. I was going to give it more leeway until that happened. And I was like, you just took everything you've been building up for and everything she stood for and you just crushed it. And it's like, that's that scene wasn't necessary. I right. had her to do something else. that was stupid. But the way she acted in that moment was completely not how she would have acted or at least how she was the whole movie. Yeah. And it wasn't really necessary for the plot. And it, wasn't funny. it wasn't necessary for the character. Yeah. And it wasn't funny. So I just, so that was, that no. was, you know, aside from the fact that it wasn't that funny. I mean, if this had been just a straight up drama, I would have been fine with it, but that scene right there just really threw me off. And um, so, yeah, but the, when the studio rep asked me what I thought, I was like, you know what? It's full of heart, but no laughs. Because uh, yep. it really does get a chance to let these characters be who they want to be, be proudly female, and not apologize because you're in your mid 40s going to college. It's just you're trying to make yourself a better person. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, I think that's your that's your poster quote right there full of heart, not laughs. Yeah. And, you know, uh, so like I said, this is the the gentleman C of five out of ten. Um, you know, I'm just it's there, and I mean, I love Melissa oh, McCarthy. Me I'm not I'm not sad that I saw this movie. Uh, There's certainly worse things out there, but I uh, this uh, this is something I'm gonna forget. You know, three weeks from now. Oh yeah, well maybe three. Now. I, I can guarantee you tomorrow <laughs> afternoon after we see Deadpool, I will fully have forgotten about this movie. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I'm actually right there to five. Um, I almost went down to a four, but then again, the ending was really good. I, I came back to the fact that there were some good messages in there. Uh, yeah. I think they should have been approached differently. And if they were going to go for a real comedy with her, just go balls out, make it R. Just do it how it should yep. be done. Uh, but no, it's it, it's forgettable. Like You're going to ask me, like, like you said, a couple days from now, I won't remember this movie. So. Right, right. And the perfect amount of Ben Falcone. He makes a cameo. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's great. He That's all with, with, with cameo. Just do that for him. Right. It's perfect. Cool. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and talk about a couple of movies that we saw that we both really, well, we, we enjoyed individually and then one we really loved. Uh, so the one mm-hmm. actually I'm still upset I haven't gotten to see yet because I love Wes Anderson is Isle of Dogs. So why don't you tell us about that? First of all, funny trivia thing. I don't know if you've seen this meme floating around, but uh, last weekend, Fandango took every state in the country and what the number one movie was in that state. 49 states. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was Avengers, wasn't it like War. Kentucky or like Vermont? Vermont. Yeah, it was Isle of Dogs. Vermont. Vermont, for some reason, went to go see Isle of Dogs, which I think is very funny and... Also, very interesting, um, considering some of the problems that I have with this movie. Uh, Isle of Dogs is uh, a return to stop-motion animation, which I think Wes Anderson's best movie might be Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, it's which, and it's amazing. Done, yeah, my, uh, done in that same style. And the story is, um, there is... In, there's a prefecture in Japan. There's an outbreak of dog snout flu. And so they have to take all of the dogs and send them to the trash island to quarantine them. Uh, a little boy who happens to be the uh, the ward of the mayor of the prefecture uh, hops on a little airplane and flies over to the dog island to go and retrieve his dog. 
and uh, there he meets a uh, a group of very uh, smart and friendly dogs, played by your cast of regulars of Wes Anderson. Uh, you get uh, Brian Cranston, Ed Norton, Bob Balaban, Bill Murray, and Jeff Goldblum as the sort of five main dogs, and they are wonderful. Scarlett Johansson shows up as a as a girl dog to uh, sort of guide them and act as their conscience in a certain way. It's it's very fun. It's very stylized and. If this had just been a movie about a little boy searching for his lost dog, I'd be like 10 out of 10 best movie of the year. I love this where I part ways with Isle of Dogs. As I mentioned that this is set in Japan and there are some issues with um, the way that Japan is portrayed and certainly opens this up to criticism mm-hmm. of cultural appropriation. Um, I, at the end of the day, I don't see any reason why this movie couldn't have been set in Texas. And so when that's the case, I'm just not sure like what, what they're saying other than to sort of fetishize and orientalize the, the Japanese culture. And, um, you know, despite having, People uh, who helped uh, write and produce the movie, who are Japanese themselves, uh, who are probably not sensitive to the concerns of the Asian American community mm-hmm. in the United States. So, you know, uh, it it wasn't something that it's like, oh, this is so bad, I can I can never watch this. It's so terrible. But at the same time, it's something that I couldn't get away from. And I watched this back to back with uh, the other movie that we're going to talk about at the end. And um, I, I I liked this movie with reservations. I'm like, yeah, this is like seven and a half, eight out of ten. And then uh, I went to go see the other movie and I completely forgot about Isle of Dogs. Like, I literally could not stop thinking about the other movie that we're going to talk about. And um, I... It, it just completely monopolized my headspace. Maybe that's not fair, but it was certainly uh, the, the way I felt. Right. Uh, but really beautiful. And, you know, people who love Wes Anderson are going to just eat this I, up. I heard it's like and the most Wes anderson film he's done. It it really is. It is very, very Wes Anderson-y. And, um, you know, and and the, the five main dogs are just so great and they have uh they have character arcs and oh man uh jeff goldblum's dog he's a gossip oh really (laughs) and it is the funniest thing like he just he's like hey did you hear about uh did you hear about that dog over there and i heard that this happened and it's just like who is this dog talking to that like he keeps spreading these rumors and it's just like, and all the other dogs are like, Oh, whoa. It's just like, it's, it's so funny how they infuse so much character into this. And there's, there's these great like fight scenes where they rumble with other dogs over like trash. And when they do it, it's like the old Tex Avery cartoons oh, really? where it's just like a big pile of sm- uh, smoke and you, and it's, it's, it's very funny, very stylized, very heartfelt. Um, I loved it. 
except for that one mm-hmm. little thing. And I just couldn't get away from that. And as the movie went on and it ceased being a movie about the boy searching for his dog and sort of into something else, I lost some of that mm-hmm. charm. But overall, really great movie. Really like cool. It. Well, yeah, again, it's on, it's on my list. It's one I've been wanting to see for a while. Uh, and when I was excited for it, just ended up being that when they had the screening, I was working. So the, the main reason why I haven't been on this podcast recently much is <laughs> because of that. Uh, yeah. In the words of Jeff Goldblum, well, uh, to uh, take off from Jeff Goldblum, life gets in the way. <laughs> just a little bit. A <laughs> little bit. Uh, but the, the film I want to talk about is uh, is Love, Simon. Uh, so this is based on a book called Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. Uh, it was written by a woman who's a clinical psychiatrist and started doing young adult uh, novels. Her name is uh, Becky Albertalli, I believe is how you say it. Uh, this is directed by Greg Berlanti, who we all know and love from all the CW superhero shows. So if you love your Flash and your Arrow and your, uh, what's, what is it, the Legends of Tomorrow, uh, he's the one who's responsible for all those. He's been showrunning them and kind of putting together that whole universe. Uh, but this stars Nick Robinson, who we remember as the older brother in Jurassic World. Uh, he is this uh, teenager named Simon. I believe he's a senior in this movie. So he's a senior in high school. He's, uh, he's got a great life. He's got tons of friends. He's popular. His parents are really liberal. They love him. They're supporting. Except he's got one little secret uh, that he's gay. And he hasn't come out yet. And he doesn't know why. And so he's trying to figure that out, see what's going on. And uh, online they have like their own little, like, little version of like Reddit or post-secret type of thing. And this kid at his school posts this whole big thing about how his life is like a roller coaster filled with ups and downs. Uh, or Ferris wheel, excuse me. Uh, but there's one big secret that no one knows he's gay. And this kid's name is Blue. So Simon strikes up a conversation with Blue. And as they develop this relationship and friendship, really falls in love with the kid. But has no clue who they are. So half the movie is spent trying to figure out who Blue is. You know, he'll, he'll meet someone who is really cute. Things might be him. They kind of show like a scene of what could happen if it was him. And then you find out, oh, no, it wasn't that person. The bad news is he's doing this uh, this email thing at the school library. And this other kid who's really a nerdy, desperate, loser type of guy who's trying to date one of uh, Simon's best friends, discovers these emails, figures out Simon's gay, and blackmails him to say, if you don't set me up with one of your friends, uh, then I'm going to tell everyone you're gay. So he's trying to keep that from happening Blah, blah, blah. Lots of cool stuff happens. Uh, what's really interesting about this movie, though, is that this is the first film uh, that's with uh, focused on uh, you know someone from the LGBT community and focused on like their life and the coming out story where the main character is gay, uh, being put out there by a major film studio. So before you say, hey, what about like Brokeback Mountain or this and that? Well, those are all put out by their indie films. So like Brokeback Mountain was, I believe, Sony right. Pictures Classic. Uh Boys Don't Cry was, you know, by the, the indie film. This is actually being put out by yeah. 20th Century Fox. So, the- yeah, it's always like Fox Searchlight, yeah. not Fox. And that's the most amazing thing to me is that it's 2018 and we never had a major studio release where that was the case before. And it was just like, what? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. How How is that? But yet here we yeah, are here we are yeah so i mean yeah it's 2018 we're finally getting this out there uh and what's actually really funny is there is uh a movie coming out on netflix a netflix original movie called i think alex strangelove or something like that and it's basically love simon but raunchy so it's like a you know dirty teen comedy 
Um, I just got a, I just got a thing for it on Facebook the other day. Um, but no, this is a really sweet, tender movie. I do love the fact that uh, it, it includes people of all different races. So you have people of color in it. Uh, you in, you know, you've got people of all different ideas, this and that. The only thing I really didn't like was the character of the bully because he is just so nefarious and like the way he goes about things is so wrong. And Simon plays into it, and it just yeah. <laughs> well, it's not it's not like the mustache twirling thing. It's just like, it, and it's not. It's just the character itself is like reprehensible. Um, because, you know, in the end, like, he gets pissed because Simon doesn't get the girl for him. So he goes out there and posts the whole, he posts all the emails and outs him and actually gives me one of the best, gives one of the best scenes in the movie where, um, and actually their the one time use of the F word, which was perfect, uh, is, like, Simon's pissed walking away and the guy's like, I'm so sorry I didn't mean to do that. He's like, no, you don't understand. This was my thing to say, my thing to do. When I chose to come out was when I wanted to and you took that away from me. And... I mean, that's a very I mean, coming right. out is one of the most powerful things anyone in the LGBT community can do, uh, and to have and yeah, if if someone outed you that way, that's incredibly hugely personal and probably one of the sure. most offensive things you could do to someone. So, if you know someone who's gay and not out, don't out them, please, because that's like a really horrible, horrible thing to do. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, overall, this is great. Uh, it's it's so much fun. Uh, Jennifer Garner and Josh Dummel. Did I say his name? Josh. Dumel, do, I don't know. Uh, they play his, they play his parents, and uh, they're both fun. There's a great scene where he comes home, he comes home drunk from a party, and has to pretend he's not drunk. And he goes upstairs, and they're like, "Okay, we'll see you tomorrow." He was drunk. Oh, he was so drunk. Well, what do we do? Well, he didn't drive, so we'll just let him sleep it off. Okay, okay, we're, we're good parents. We're good parents. Uh, but no, right. it, it's fun. It's it's a movie that I think everyone should go see. Um, especially, you know, there's a lot of stories coming out about kids who went like. Teenagers went and saw this with their parents and afterwards came out. Uh, there's also stories of teenagers who had come out and their parents weren't dealing with it well, weren't accepting. They went and saw this movie with their parents and afterwards their parents like, I get it now. Like, I'm so sorry that I wasn't fully accepting or open to you. Uh, and honestly, it, it wasn't a huge blockbuster, but for a movie that only cost $17 million to make, it's made almost 60 So uh, the cool thing is this is showing that there is an audience out there for um, LGBT cinema and uh, that you studios don't need to be afraid to include a gay or a lesbian or a bi or a trans main character, and people are still going to go see it. So, right. uh, Marvel, we're talking to you. Disney, we're talking to you. Yeah, right. Um, right. And that's the other thing that that brings up is yes, this is the first time when there's been a, a gay centric uh, major studio release, and as one of my friends pointed out. We have 20 some odd heroes in Avengers Infinity War. Not a single one is gay. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that's the thing or is that some of the Schrodinger is gay. Well, yeah, exactly. There's, there's characters you know, who are but, queer in the novel, in the, in the books, but they overlooked it in the, in the, uh, um, what was it called? In the movie itself. Yeah, in the film adaptation. So, I'm so, yeah. I'm just, I just yeah. want them to so. do when, when Disney finally gets, owns the rights to Fox and owns the X-Men again. Because uh, Iceman is gay in the comics now. <clears throat> and uh, Sean right. Ashmore, who plays him in the movies, was like, if you make him gay in the, t- in the movies, I'll come do it again. And uh, I want him to because That'd he be needs great. to uh, be more things with his shirt off because he's really attractive. So <laughs> I, I, I would I would not be opposed to that. I like Sean Ashmore as I yeah, he, he was he was really I would, fun. I would so. be, I would be down for that. Have a have an older Iceman who's a uh, who's a more of a of a mentor at the at the Xavier School. That'd be great. Uh, do it, yeah. Do I mean, it. come on, Disney, you own all the things. Now you just need to buy Warner Brothers, and you'll have everything. So, uh, but yeah, with Love right. Simon, I'm at, I'm at an eight out of ten, and it's a little predictable. 
Uh, so that's kind of where I, I knock some points off. But it's a lot of fun. I can't wait for, for it to come out um, on Blu-ray and DVD because I need to see it again. I've got friends. Uh, my buddy who lives in Vegas and is by, he went and saw it like six times. Uh, so it's it's oh. making a big splash. And I'm really happy for that because that's kind of what we need right now, especially in our current kind of toxic climate that we're in. Right. Well, and, and you know, you mentioned, oh, it didn't make that much money. I mean, for a romantic comedy, that's that's very good. And I still think uh, Love, Simon is I mean, it's probably the best rom-com that's come out this year, the uh, or at least in terms of box office. But yeah, no, it was really good. It's by this time, it's probably playing in dollar theaters. So, uh, if you've got kids who you think might be might be LGBT and they're not out to you yet, or if you have kids who are, um, especially they're teenagers, go go see this movie with them. Um, it, you know, it might be a way for you to bond more. Um, and maybe if you need to come out, it might be a way to help you, you know, take that big first breath and take that step because I know it's a huge one. I've I've been there, so. I I asked my daughter who uh, who came out to us last year that she that she's by. And uh, asked her if she wanted to go see this, and she's like, "Nah, I wanna, I wanna go see uh, Ready Player One." And I'm like, "Okay, whatever you like, <laughs> <laughs> sure." But she's just like, eh, "Yeah, I'm, um, I mean, she's 13. She, Ready Player One is about the right uh, thing for her. Right. Love Simon, maybe in a couple more years, we'll yeah. see. But it's it's one, so everyone go see it. Uh, but then the one yeah. the movie we're gonna close with, uh, the one we both saw was A Quiet Place, which yes. uh, came quiet out of nowhere place. and surprised the hell out of me. Because I was not, I mean, I, I was excited for it, but I was not expecting uh, what I got. So Andy, why don't you give us a quick rundown and give us your thoughts on it? Sure. Well, it's so funny because, you know, you talk about it coming out of nowhere. It premiered at South by Southwest. And I was like, eh, I'm not really that interested. John Krasinski from The Office made a movie about it's like an apocalyptic thing and there's monsters and they have to be quiet. I don't know. That doesn't sound that great to me. But then when I'm standing in line for other movies, I keep talking to people and I'm, I say, what did you, what did you see that you've liked? And everybody's like, Oh, a quiet place, a quiet place. It's amazing. And I'm like, Oh really? Okay. Uh, I think the one of the greatest things about this movie is the way it draws you in and the fact that the characters need to be silent suddenly the audience is it's like participation cinema and everybody's like oh my gosh i have to be hopefully, quiet too hopefully you've got a good audience because I, mine was yeah and and then there's those a-holes who are like crinkling their uh, their candy wrappers as loud as they can or like talking on their phone and you're just like shut I know. up don't do that <laughs> the monster's gonna come and get you don't well, I hope they see? would because like you're ruining the no atmosphere of this that. movie like we were, when we went and saw uh, Life of the Party last night people behind me kept on talking and so I gave them like one chance and then I shushed them oh, and then they, they, no. they did stay quiet but I was like uh, don't you know who I am I will get someone over here to kick you out of this theater so shut up yeah yeah, no, seriously, don't don't talk in theaters. Like, come on, people. Like, oh, that's just I I can't stand that. And uh, you know, our our friend Jimmy Martin like made a, a fake movie poster for this, and his his poster quote was something like uh, reveals uh, America's worst movie theater audiences audience members or something like that. And I'm just like, yep, that's this movie, but. 
you know, there's nothing quite like seeing this movie with a group of people who's really engaged in it. And because you, you feel oh, yeah. that tension and it's, it's so amazing. And I just, uh, you know, I have a couple problems with it, but I, I really liked it. Um, partially because I didn't go in with a ton of expectations, even though everyone was like super hyped about it and said like, you have to see this. And still I was like, yeah. And see, that away. was the thing with me is I, I went in, I'd see, I'd seen one trailer looked really interesting. I love the fact that the characters are all speaking sign language and they actually are signing. It's not just fake. Uh, but see, I didn't have any of the buzz right. unit. So I just went in expecting to be good. But then when they're showing it to us on the biggest screen possible at uh, the gateway, which is the main theater, we see the, the screenings at, I was like, oh, wow, like that's they they got a lot of faith in this. Uh, and then, yeah, thankfully, we did have a crowd that played. I mean, you could hear a pin drop in that thing. And that's the one thing I always don't like about scary movies. Uh, so I don't mind jump scares too much. Those are fine. But when you rely on all of a sudden just a random loud noise to make you jump, that annoys the crap out of me. But with this movie, yeah, this movie because you know yeah. that any kind of sound is what's going to draw these monsters out. Any kind of sound made at all was just right was like terrifying is that you know i walked out and i was like this is one of the most terrifying films i've ever seen it's uh i've i think the last time i saw a movie that made me this tense was jurassic park when i was like 12 years old because <laughs> i was on the edge of my seat the yeah. whole entire time uh you know john krasinski he wrote it and he uh, this is one of his i think his second movie he did uh really good job especially for setting up you know a genre maybe he's not as familiar with because he's, he's on action he's on comedy uh but you know a thriller slash horror is something that's completely different and you can do one thing wrong and like bungle the whole thing uh, and actually yeah, one of my only complaints with the movie and I think it just might be because he's newer at it was there's a thing called foreshadowing and then there's also a thing called tunnel vision where you know you can look at something and be like oh I bet something's gonna happen with that but then you forget about it when it happens you're like oh yeah I remember I saw that this movie unfortunately he has a, chan- a tendency to linger on certain things way too long and then come back to them over and over again mm-hmm. to where it's like yeah I get it there's something that's gonna happen with this nail I get that uh Whereas it would just kind of right. like if it just kind of had panned slowly past it, maybe stayed out for a second and then went, went away, you might be expecting it. But when it happens, it can still be a surprise. So that's really my only big complaint with right. this movie. I mean, it's it's not very long. It's like, what, 90, 90 some minutes or something like that. Yeah, it's at the perfect length for a horror movie. It has almost a perfect ending. Like it ends the way it should have. And I was so excited. And I was like, I want to see what happens next. I want to see a second one. And Considering that this thing made so much freaking money, um, I think we're probably going to see a second one. So yeah, I think they're going to do a second one, and I, I think one of the things that drew me in so much to this as well is this sense that this is a family and they're trying to exist in this world, and without any oh, there's dialogue, maybe like five lines in the whole movie, uh, like almost no. Yeah, almost no dialogue whatsoever. They do this great world building where you figure out how it is that they're surviving. Uh, that not only are they speaking to each other in sign, but they have signals. They use lights and other things like that to communicate with each other. And there there are other survivors that they're communicating with that are out there in the world. And it's... But um, th- this is... This is kind of a spoiler, so I don't, um, I don't, I'm, so plug your ears if, if you don't want to know anything about this whatsoever. But one of the main plot points of this movie is that they are expecting a I child. I think it's in the trailer. Like any day. 
Yeah, I think that's in the trailer. And then you think you can't make noise and you're going to have the loudest possible thing on earth coming out of you. (laughs) Right. And, And it just, there's this sort of existential terror about that, that your most basic instinct as a parent is to protect your children. And you're suddenly in this world where you cannot. And try as you may, it, it's very hard to do all of those things. And they're dealing with this with three, uh, with three different kids, with the, the upcoming baby and the, the older daughter who is deaf and the, the younger son who is not. Um, and, and they're all in very different places. And what's so universal about this is like the older daughter is in that, stage of teenagerdom where she's trying to rebel and she's trying to break out of boundaries and it's like you can't do that or you will die or someone will die and it is so terrifying because all these parents want to do is protect their children and it hit me very hard uh, because of that and it's great because it worked on several different levels that way. Yes, it's scary because there's monsters. Yes, it's also scary because there's ingrained in our DNA this primal fear that, like, mm-hmm. we should protect our children. And and there was major payoff yeah. to that. And well. the one thing I actually want to bring up, too, that's really important is, uh, so the actress who plays the older daughter, uh, the, the deaf daughter, Millie Simmons, is actually from Utah. Uh, and she went to... Uh, She's performed down in Cedar City in their Shakespearean uh, uh, stage. But oh, the cool really? thing is she actually is deaf in real life. So it was great to see that they yes, she is. Uh, they were wise enough to actually hire someone who could play this role who fully understands it because that's how they live their life every single day. So, And and Krasinski pushed for that. He said, no, we I want someone who is actually deaf. And um, the fact that he like went to the mattresses on that choice, uh, you know, shows how important that is. And, you know, there was a lot of flack that people gave the shape of water uh, for the fact that uh, our main character was deaf. And yet the Mm -hmm. actress who played her was not. And Hey, there, there are hearing impaired actresses out there who could have played this part. Yes. So it's great when, uh, they actually get a you know their yeah. their own chance at representation because that doesn't happen very often and uh, and and her disability in the film is even more scary because if if these things are attracted to sound and they're they're not only attracted to sound they're so attracted to sound they're putting sand down on the ground so that they will and not wearing any shoes so that they won't yeah. their footsteps won't even attract anything she doesn't know what sound she might be accidentally making just you know walking through a field and that is scary in and of itself and uh you know i just i just felt that this was beautifully done it drew me in uh it 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 paid off with an amazing ending. And uh, yeah, I, I want more of this. Uh, agree with you though, about the, um, 
I've heard it okay. referred to as Chekhov's nail <laughs> uh, from the old trope of, uh, you know, Chekhov's gun, where uh, the, the playwright Chekhov said that if in act one of a play, if a character cocks a gun and puts it on the mantle, then yeah. in act two, someone needs to fire that gun. And, uh, you know, there is, yeah, there's, there's foreshadowing and there is what John Krasinski did. Yeah. You could have toned it back a little bit. But again, bit, you know, for, for the first time, <laughs> it's okay, we director got of this type of film, uh, that it, it's something I can, for, it, again, it's something I have to point out, right. but it is something I can definitely forgive. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> right, uh, look out for those batteries. Uh, They're going to be important. So yeah, I'm at, I'm at a nine out of 10. I like, love this movie. Know? I think it's the best horror film I've seen since get out. Uh, and obviously get out was a, it was taking horror to a new level. Yep. Uh, but it's, it's fantastic. I loved it. Uh, I think everyone in the world's already seen it. Uh, so if you haven't yet go head out to the theater and see it. Cause you definitely want to see this on a big screen with surround sound. Uh, and hopefully either one, you get an audience who's playing along or two, because now that everyone's going to see infinity war, Maybe you'll be by yourself, and that might be even creepier. Yeah, so. and hopefully it is playing next to a a theater that is not playing Infinity War or some other yeah, really loud movie. Uh, because yeah, hopefully it's it's next to something that's playing, um, you know, Tully <laughs> or or something like that, or or Life of the Party, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and where are you at? Uh, yeah, same nine out of ten. Loved it. Oh, nine. Yeah, thought it was absolutely awesome. Great. So there you go. Uh, Life the Party, just kind of there. Uh, not, not bad, but it could have been funnier. And I think we really wanted to see kind of the more cr- the crude Melissa McCarthy and kind of letting her go further than she should have. Uh, Andy liked Isle of Dogs, aside from the kind of the issue with the, kind of the fetishizing the Japanese lifestyle. Uh, I loved Love, Simon, and it was fantastic. Take your kids to go see it. It comes out actually uh, on digital in two weeks, and then in less than a month it will be uh, on Blu-ray and DVD. And then we both absolutely loved Quiet Place. It's fantastic. Uh, definitely one you should go see. Hopefully with an audience that plays along, or right. maybe with uh, just by yourself. So, yep. So what do we now? What do we got next week? Now, what's what are we seeing soon? That's hmm. that I'm excited for. A little movie called Deadpool Two. You probably haven't heard of it. Deadpool kind Two. Of yeah. Oh, I don't know. I think I think didn't the, wasn't the first one about have the guy who was like in Green Lantern. Yeah, that dude. Yeah, here's kind of a hat. guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, we uh, we are seeing uh, as we record this Deadpool two. We're seeing it uh, tomorrow. Uh, I think we're both really excited about it. It looks really yep. fun, and uh, hopefully we will get together this weekend, record it, and then get it out as soon as we possibly can. Yep, embargo breaks like Monday, Tuesday, and I think it's we're Monday gonna... at nine p.m. I want to say because that's after the premiere, I believe. So yep, so we'll we'll hopefully get something out, and you can hear us talk about how how much we love. That guy from Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. <laughs> I love the fact that you know that because they changed the name to Two Guys and a Girl because no one wanted to say in a pizza place anymore. <laughs> I, I love that show. Oh, me too. I, I thought think, that show was great. I think you and I were one of the only two people who did. So, yeah. Uh, but we're yep. excited for that and we'll talk to you about it next week. But until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Punk ass tripping, but it's all right. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly, punk ass fly.
Cause the boys in the hood are always hard Come talking that trash and we'll pull your card Knowing nothing in life but to be legit Don't quote me, boy, I ain't said shit